the sense of hopelessness that you feel when you avoid something you're feeling is way worse than dealing with the very fear itself. Because you'll notice when you overcome it, you'll be filled with joy and elation. Welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rockstar confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C Method Communication Skills Training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 140 of Stand Out, Get Noticed. So excited to have you joining me on the show. Today we're talking about anxiety. Now, it's mid-December, Christmas and the holiday season is nearly upon us. It's understandable if you may be feeling a little bit anxious, so much to do, events to attend, you're organising gifts probably for everyone, dealing with family disagreements over who's doing what. If you have kids, they're probably on holidays, running around the house, plus all of this on top of your work commitments and the pressure of wrapping everything up before the break. So... I thought this to be an appropriate time to address the topic of anxiety on the podcast. And joining me on the show is mindset strategist, health guru, and my good friend, Sean Resnick from Vital Me, who specializes in helping people manage their anxiety and overcome their fears and phobias. Sean and I met up at his clinic to record this podcast, and he shared how he lived with anxiety for many years, what he did to manage it, and the method that he uses to help his clients do the same. Sean also helps us to understand what causes anxiety and where it comes from, which is so important because if we can understand why something is happening, we are in a much better place to manage it. What I love about Sean's approach is it's very holistic and mindset focused. Rather than popping a pill or trying to stop the anxiety itself, Sean's method is about redefining your relationship with anxiety and learning how to stop the struggle instead. It helps you to uncover what your anxiety has been trying to teach you and what actions need to take place in order to become calmer and more resourceful in your life. So if you have ever experienced anxiety, whether it's only occasionally or if it's something that impacts your life on a daily basis, hopefully at the end of this conversation, you'll be inspired to take a kinder approach towards your relationship with anxiety and to learn from it, which will give you a solid base from which to start your journey towards overcoming it. This conversation is slightly longer than normal than my normal podcasts, but everything Sean says is gold. So I wanted to leave in as much as I could. Show notes for this episode will be at thecmethod.com slash Sean, spelled S-H-A-U-N. Okay, I hope you enjoy this one. Please welcome the lovely Sean Resnick. So you're a naturopath. Yes, and a mindset strategist. And mindset strategist, what does that mean? Fancy word for being a coach. I just don't (laughs) like being called a a life coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The work I do is very often changing people's attitudes towards things. And I think looking at mindset's a big area. So I call myself a mindset strategist. And this topic of anxiety, I know it's something that you're particularly interested in and helping people to to overcome. Where does that come from? Were you once anxious in your life? Totally. Absolutely. So I'm a 40-year-old man now. And uh, yeah, you're very much you a man. Wouldn't, you wouldn't know it, would you? No, you're all man. No, all man. 
40, yep. <laughs> so, all my teenage years and into my 20s, I suffered terribly from anxiety and it made life really difficult for me. Um, I think coming from a male perspective, I didn't seek as much help as I could have. I was probably a bit quiet and embarrassed um, to to accept it. And it caused a lot of stress and grief for me. Um, everything from, in, you know, uh, insomnia affecting my work, my practice at the time. Um, what were you anxious about? Oh, uh, for me personally, I was a gay guy and I was, uh, I was closeted at mm. the time, didn't want to come out to my family, friends. I was really scared of, of, um, accepting who I was on many levels. So the anxiety just reared its ugly head in many ways. In, as I said, insomnia, um, stressing out when people were talking to me, what were they thinking of me, being worried about what people's perceptions were. And, and as a result, it kept me playing a very small game for a long, long time. What do you mean by small game? Well, I guess there was so much more I could have done business-wise um, in my practice to grow it. But because I didn't want to be seen as such, I just wanted to get by. I kept things really small and um, no self-promotion. So for the first, I've been in practice for 17 years. And I'd say the first 10 years were, yeah, I was uh, just playing a very small game mm. on many on many levels. Um, the interesting thing is after about 10 years, I just started attracting a lot more clients with anxiety themselves. And that was the, uh, the catalyst to stepping up, taking control, doing a bunch of courses and, uh, listening to mentors, reading books and becoming mm -hmm. an expert myself on anxiety and hence, um, overcoming it, which has been a wonderful journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, we're going to talk more about how mm. people can um, recognize anxiety in themselves and, and, and work on managing it um, a bit later. I want to dig a little bit deeper into your story. And yeah. I want to know how did your anxiety manifest itself physically? Oh, goodness. Okay. One of the big things I noticed was my um, inability to fall asleep at night. I would lie in bed and my brain would be going a million miles an hour. And when I did eventually fall asleep, maybe for an hour or two, I'd wake up with my heart racing, um, palpitations, uh, just shortness of breath and thinking about my life in general and my inability to deal with certain things. I would obviously rock up um, to work exhausted in the mornings. Um, I was losing my spark. I've always been known as someone who's got a, a really good energy, high energy, and it was taking its toll. Uh, you know, I'd look in the mirror and I could actually see myself aging. Mm. Um, I look in the mirror now and actually think I look younger at 40 than I did in my late 20s because of the stress and the toll it was taking on me. Yeah. Did you know that it was anxiety at the to time? Totally knew it was anxiety. I knew there was stuff going on that I wasn't addressing and I felt absolutely paralyzed and stuck and um, it was an awful experience. So why did it take you 10 years to do something about it or did, when did you start to do something about it? Do you know what? I, I, fantastic question. I think I reached a level of maturation. Um, I came into my power, I'd say, at the age of 30 years of age when I just decided enough was enough. I also came across some really wonderful mentors and mm. started upskilling myself at work and doing many courses around mindset. And, you know, I studied NLP and hypnosis. And the more um, proficient I became in my own craft, uh, the more I got a handle on my anxiety. I started living my life according to the values that I'd set out for myself. 
And um, I guess I reached a point where it was enough's enough. You can only survive for so long. And um, I'd had enough. I think timing is everything. Yeah. And so after you started to build up your own your own skills and, and work on your own mindset, did it naturally then start to dissipate or did you have to make a, a real conscious effort and use, you know, certain techniques to, oh, goodness. to work on it. Yeah, absolutely. So initially I had a lot of techniques um, under my belt and I had to use those techniques quite frequently. I absolutely love um, mindfulness and, and something called acceptance and commitment therapy where you change your perception of your of your um, faulty thinking. Mm. And so initially it was like anything, like learning how to ride a bicycle. I'd stop myself and go, hey, hang on. How are you perceiving that? Let's make this different. And so in time, I noticed the anxiety just started dissolving and it, it happened really fast the moment I was ready to, to embrace the techniques and, and to learn. Um, I also had a responsibility to my clients. I've always, I've been a practitioner, as I said, for 17 years, but as my clientele was growing, you know, higher and higher and lots more people were coming for anxiety themselves, it was time to just step up. So there was nowhere to hide and I had nothing to lose and everything to gain. So it was a slow burn. Um, mm. But when I look back on it now, there were probably leaps and bounds within the first year or so. Did it must have felt ironic to you to be helping clients overcome their anxiety when you were suffering through Goodness yours. Goodness <laughs> gracious, it absolutely was. And I made no secret of it. Yeah. Um, I was transitioning more from naturopathy to more coaching type work. And um, my clients were really aware of the work I was doing and the self-development I was engaging in as well. And I think people appreciate that. They mm. appreciate the transparency and knowing that it affects anyone and everyone, professionals, you know, people that you would never imagine would suffer from anxiety could potentially be suffering from it. You know, people wear a mask. Absolutely. Yeah. And when did you come out? Ah, uh, of the closet, the yeah. proverbial closet. <laughs> I was 24 years of age. Right. And that probably took about, you know, a couple of years to, to really accept me. Um, and I think part of the whole getting over the anxiety was truly learning to accept and love myself fully totally for who I was and, um, making, you know, no excuses for the person I, you know, I've grown into being. So yeah, it plays a big role. Mm. Self-love big. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And letting go of that fear of what other people will think. Yeah, I think you so. As well. It's huge. I think so. And I think that's why learning to love yourself is so important because, you know, unconsciously, if you're not loving you, you can't expect anyone to give you what you can't give yourself. Mm. So once you actually do learn to to accept yourself for who you are, it actually doesn't really matter nearly as much um, how other people are perceiving you. I mean, we're always going to care, you know, what people think of us. We're social creatures. But when it's not such a big deal anymore, you're actually free to just live your life. And the anxiety does drop off because you're not living your life according to other people's stuff anymore. It's really yeah. cool. I went to the Philippines for a month in yeah. 2015 and I was thrown into so many speaking situations yeah. where I barely had any notice. I was told, yep, you're speaking tomorrow to, at this conference, at this school, to, you know, this huge, um, group of students. And 
by the end of it, I reached a point where I just thought, you know what, I just don't care anymore what you think. You know, I care about the presentation, but it completely, all my nerves just went away because I, I mean, I'd done it so many times, but I reached a point where I was like, I don't have time to care what you think anymore. No. I've got to do this presentation. Absolutely. And I just had to get over it. And that really forced me to, I mean, I had to stop caring. You had to. And, and would you agree as well that once your why is so powerful and there's something, a message you've got to get out, you've got to stop worrying about yourself Mm. after a period of time and, um, if the message is powerful enough, it, you've got to overcome that obstacle. There's no turning back. Yeah, because it's yeah. not about it's not about you. It's about no. the message you're sharing. Yep. And oftentimes, when you know, if I work with people and around their anxiety around speaking and mm. their their nervousness, I get them to focus on the the importance and, like you said, the why of yeah. their message, and and meditating, so to speak, on that on that why before speaking instead of focusing on I have to say these words. Yeah, that's right. Because then it disconnects you from from the message. Totally. And I think also the knowledge that anxiety is universal, hey? If you living on this planet, anyone who ever has, you're going to experience some kind of anxiety. It's, it's totally normal. Our reptilian brains are designed to keep us playing safe or mm-hmm. being safe, keep us out of harm's way. And it's a very overactive mind that can sometimes take that a bit too far. And then we start getting anxious about things that, yeah, were never really meant to make us nervous or scared. It's also our upbringing as well. You know, our parents and their parents and their parents' parents and all the scaremongering. And, you know, they try to do the right thing by us. They want us to, you know, thrive and grow. So if you are a child to a parent, you're going to have some form of anxiety on some level. It's just how you resourcefully handle it. And Mm. I think that knowledge is what made me realize, oh, I'm not alone here. Anxiety is is universal. Where does the anxiety come from? Are there a few few different like main causes, sources? I do think so. I think um, social media today plays a massive role in people's anxiety. Um, The majority of us are on social media and that's great because we get to connect with people around the world. It also means that we have to be switched on all the time. This technology, you know, it, you can see it. Um, we're showing people one side of us and it creates a lot of anxiety for people. There's this FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. I see teenagers now back in the day when you and I, you know, weren't invited to a party, which kind of happened every once in a while. Right? <laughs> Not too often. Happened to me all the time. Yeah, all the time. Before social media, we wouldn't hear about it. And if we did, you might hear it, you know, on one occasion. Kids now, you know, see their friends at parties and know that they haven't been invited. And it creates a lot of anxiety for them. We see um, celebrities um, who seem to be, you know, having these perfect lives. We're only seeing one part of that person's experience. And now we're judging ourselves. So I think that plays a big role expectations are huge on us as well in this day and age. I think, you know, if you live in a first world country and you've got a relatively good education, the expectation is you could be anyone or anything. You could be the president, prime minister of a country nowadays. The expectations are high and people have a need to be successful on some level, whatever level that is. And that plays into societal pressures and anxieties, I think. I know that I've I've experienced that before where I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a business coach and I was saying to him I I feel like I should be further along by now. Yeah. And he said to me, "What do you mean by now? What are you comparing yourself to?" Yeah. And and I thought about it and I thought, "Well, I 
I don't know. I I don't know. I, I know. haven't measured. I don't have I a measuring stick, and I can't. Com- I haven't. I can't compare myself to anyone else. But I'm just somehow in my mind think that I should be doing more or have achieved more at yes, this point. But I get it. But I don't know what. I know. All I just think of is more, which yes. makes no sense. Yet it's That's causing good. me this, Look, this stress. It's good to have aspirations, but let's just say there was no other person in your industry that you knew. Do you think you'd still be saying I need to have done more at this stage? Probably. Yeah, do you reckon? Probably, I don't know. You probably, it's maybe it's you that would. high achiever thing. It's the high achiever thing. And that comes, you know, is that genetic? Is that coming from, you know, your family dynamics and, you know, parenting and all that sort of thing? But I think nowadays we see so many people in our industries, again, on social mm. media and we're comparing ourselves. Yeah, you know, um, there are some wonderful mentors out there. And I know I, I certainly switch on social media and I hear them talking. And there are times where I go, ooh, you know. Hmm, I should be doing that. I, <laughs> ooh, that sounded really good. I need to take that one down. So I, I think comparison is the killer of all joy. There's that saying, if I'm not mistaken. I listened to one podcast and the, the, the host, she will start her podcast with, Hey everyone, how are you? I'm so good. I'm having an <laughs> amazing <good>. day. <clears throat> One, 100% oh, of the time. I just love my life and I'm kind of like, mm, F you, bitch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't I know, tell it's me that. so not true. It is so not true. I'm like, really? Show Are you me, really having that amazing show time? Show me one person who's always <laughs> up and never down, always supported and never ever has to worry about, you know, being vulnerable. There are a lot of people, yeah, yeah who, who pretend to be a certain way. And mm. it does an injustice to the people who are listening because um, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's mm. and, and the whole art of being vulnerable means that you get to connect with people. When you are coming across as being this perfect, you make the person listening to you feel imperfect. And that is not a cool way to make people feel. And then they just clam up and they feel shitty about themselves. Mm. So mm, I think that whole need to be perfect is not a good thing. If we could all just no. put that aside, we'd all be a bit more human with each other. Absolutely. I know that you've developed a method for helping people to overcome anxiety or, yeah. or manage it. I don't yeah. even know if it's possible to fully overcome it. Yeah. You've said that everyone <laughs> suffers it to a degree. Everyone suffers it to, uh, anxiety to a degree. Mm. I do think it's possible 100% to manage your anxiety, at least to a level which is normal, you know, whatever normal might be for you. I think it would um, be where it just it's not holding you back no, from achieving what you no. want to do. I'm totally cool with people being anxious when they're standing on the top of a mountain looking down and they're like one centimeter from the cliff edge. That's fine. Or if you hear a really loud bang, all right, and it's like, oof, what was that? It's fine. Because it's designed to keep us safe, isn't yeah, it? it's totally designed yeah. to keep us safe, 100%. But it's an over-analytical brain. And I often think a really intelligent brain, just saying, okay, I've got a theory on this. I reckon, I reckon if you have good intelligence, the chances of suffering from anxiety are actually made um, even more, okay? Reason being, it's it's the mind that's seeking danger out there. The average person's brain probably doesn't even go to those places. So it's about harnessing the beast. Can you such. give an example of that? Like yeah. you're looking you're looking for, for things to be anxious about? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, 100%. So just even in this little podcast we're doing in my office right now, um, I've noticed that people have walked down the driveway. They're coming for an appointment and they should have actually arrived half an hour later. So my brain's gone there and now 100 miles an hour, I'm thinking, ooh, how's this going to affect our little podcast now? How do I handle it? 
Whereas if I wasn't so self-aware and I didn't notice things, I wouldn't even looked out the window and noticed mm. them walking, you know, to the front gate. So, yeah. Do you need to go see that yeah, client now? Yeah, I'm going to go and let them know they're about 45 minutes too early. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll be back after this short break from our Look sponsors. Forward. <laughs> so while we're waiting for Sean to attend to his client, I'm going to do something a little different mid-show. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it love it if you could leave me a review in iTunes if you're an iPhone user or Stitcher if you're an Android user. Now, I don't usually ask for this because I get really annoyed at podcasts that ask for this all the time, but reviews are super important. It's the best thing that you, the listener, can do to help the show reach more people, apart from sharing it with everyone, of course. I'll be honest, getting reviews is like pulling teeth. It's really, really hard. So I would really appreciate it if you could take a couple of minutes to help me out. Now, if you don't know how to leave a review, I I have a tutorial on my website. It's at thecmethod.com slash iTunes. Otherwise, you just do it from your podcast app on your iPhone. If you are an Android user, go to thecmethod.com slash Stitcher. That's thecmethod.com slash Stitcher. Scroll down, hit ratings and reviews, rate me some stars, preferably five, but be honest, and write a, a quick little review. If you can do that, it would help the show massively and I would be forever grateful to you. Okay, back to the show. And we're back. And we're client back. Went and took care of his, uh, his took clients. Took care of my client. They're in the waiting room. We're and all good has today. your anxiety subsided? Well, this is the beautiful thing. Years ago, that situation would have created quite a lot of anxiety for me. Right. How do I handle this? How do I put you at ease and know that we can continue? How do I look after my client as well? Um, nowadays, no, nothing, not even a blip. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, mm. they are. Deal with it. Move on. Can I just let you know partly why that's occurred for me? Yep. I've learned not to take life so seriously. I used to take it very, very seriously and myself way too seriously. And as I've learned to just let go, um, it's made all the difference, really made a big difference to my levels of anxiety. Life's imperfect. People make mistakes. Shit happens. Deal with it. Move on. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Right, let's move on. Talking about moving on. <laughs> let's move on. Let's <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on to your methodology. Okay, I'd love to talk great. about yeah. wh- what it is that you take your clients through to help them overcome. So I know your method is called the Pitts method. Yes, Can you take us I've through that? I've come up with a method called yeah. the Pitts method. I've been doing this for a long time now, and I didn't actually have a methodology um, for a long time. It was just I just did whatever it took to get my clients to the next level, be it using hypnosis, NLP, mindfulness, acceptance, commitment therapy and a whole array of other techniques. And then I realized uh, quite some time ago that it was time to put it all together into a system because people like systems and it's it, it makes sense to have that structure. So I came up with a methodology called the PITS methodology, which is both a metaphor and an acronym. PITS stands for perception, invite, teach, and step up. Okay, so that's the PITS methodology. And it's not, it's, it's an easy technique or, or methodology. There's no struggle in it. It's about embracing the learnings and the teachings from the anxiety. And it makes absolute sense. And I'm, I'm happy to go into, you know, more detail if, if you'd like. So what does the P, the okay. P stands for? Thank again? you for asking. <laughs> P stands for perception. Yep. 
Now, you've got to recognize that anxious thoughts are just thoughts. It's a broken brain. And by the way, everyone's brain, just letting you know, is a bit broken. A little bit broken. Yeah, I have yet to believe that. Yeah. So it's about faulty thinking based on our pasts or, you know, experiences we've had. And so the pits part of it, the, the perception part of it is changing your perception of your faulty thinking to that of a positive, all right, or just making some fun out of it. You know, when, um, if we were to take a pink elephant, for example, and say that pink elephant represented an anxious thought, and I just say to you, do not think about a pink elephant, what are you going to do within think five about, minutes? Even think if about I offered, a pink elephant. Really? Even yeah. if I offered you like a million dollars, you know, not to think about it for 10 minutes, do you think? I'd probably try to think you'd, of a gray elephant. Does that try. count? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- it's there'd an be elephant, an elephant don't, there. Don't see a pink <laughs> elephant. Yeah, you'd see the pink elephant, right? But if I say to you, dress that pink elephant in like a pink tutu and put some purple socks on it and a green hat, do you reckon you could maybe do that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely you could. So like your negative thinking, it's all about changing the way you perceive it. Don't not think the negative thought. That's impossible. It's like asking someone to swim against a, a heavy current in the ocean. You're going to drown. You know, mm. if you're in a rip, you know, just release, watch it, you know, just let, you know, swim sideways. Okay. Um, that's the analogy of that. But with the perception, it's like seeing your negative thoughts, laugh about your negative thoughts, dance them, change your physiology. It's been shown that if you change your physiology and change your tone around the thinking, you change the way you perceive it. It's kind of like just making um, making friends with your anxiety, not struggling against it. Okay, so what's an anxious thought that, that someone might have? Okay, so an anxious thought that somebody might commonly have is, I'm going to screw this up right. bad. Okay. Yeah. So I will commonly get my clients to, um, you know, in the consult, you've got to have good rapport with someone when you're doing this kind of work. Okay. So once my clients are really comfortable and we've got a really good relationship, I'll then say, come on, let's sing that thought. And I'll get them to sing it. I'm going to screw it up real bad. I'm all right. Gonna, so oh, you literally way, sing it out ooh, in a funny voice. I sound voice. all right. Yeah. I sound all right. I don't usually sound this good. Um, yeah. In a really a silly voice. Oh, these microphones. Are, I'm going to just carry this around with me every day. Thank you. Um, usually my voice does not sound that good. And it's got to be like, you know, I get people to do it in like really bad opera or really just out of tune because it's not about being perfect. Yeah. Okay. So we laugh at ourselves. So we might sing like crazy, mm. like, so I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to screw this up. Say it in old lady's voice. I'm going to screw this up. Sonny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look at your body language now, you know, we're yeah. both loosening up. We're having yeah. a bit of fun with it. Yeah. So it's embracing it and playing with it rather yes. than trying to push it away. That's exactly yeah. right. Which brings us to the next step, mm-hmm. for, which is the I, which is the invite. So if you struggle with something and you really try and push it aside, it will most likely keep coming back over and over again. Like sweeping something under a rug, it doesn't go away, right? So years ago, when I used to struggle with my anxiety and I could feel panic and anxiety coming on, I would go, come on, Sean, pull it together. Come on, you can do this. Just stop it, stop it, stop it. And the more I'd struggle against the anxiety, the worse it got. It just Mm. didn't seem to dissipate. So with this particular step, it's about invite it in. But if we are embracing the anxiety Mm. and if we let that show, won't that harm us as well? You know, if we're at work and we're supposed to be, you know, confident and in charge and a great leader, you know, leading our team and doing all these things and, Mm. and, 
and maybe if we're in a job interview or something, if we embrace the anxiety, mm-hmm. if we let it show, isn't mm-hmm. that going to do okay. more harm than good? That's the interesting thing. One of the positive byproducts of letting it go is it actually dissipates. Once you By accepting it, it accept and it. embracing it, I'm not saying that, you know, embrace it to the point where now your anxiety levels are so high, you're fully panic attacking in front of all your colleagues. Mm. If that's where it needs to go, that's where it needs to go. But the thing with anxiety, it's a wave. When you're struggling against it, that wave gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You're going to have the panic, okay? If you start to invite it in, the anxiety just dissipates, all right? I've got to be careful when I say that because if there's an expectation of it dissipating, then people are holding on to that and not just inviting it in. Mm. True inviting is just allowing it to be. You've got to remember something, okay? This kind of takes us to step three, but it needs to be explained in step two. Your anxiety is just your body's warning signal. It's a, it's a barometer letting you know when you're off path, when you're not living your life according to your own values, um, if you've not prepared for something and you should have. This is your body's natural way of letting you know you need to upskill, you need to change something. Mm. So when you're fighting that anxiety, you're fighting a natural warning system that's inbuilt in you, okay? So the second step of inviting allows your body to say, ha, finally, he or she is listening to me. I can stop temper tantruming and this individual is now possibly going to make some changes. What you said reminds me of, you know, like a child who's trying to get your attention and is cracking it and stamping their feet. And sometimes all they want is for you to acknowledge that they're there and to say, look, I I hear your pain. I understand you're hungry. You're tired. I understand you need to go to the bathroom. And then once you, I mean, I saw this on, I think it was Super Nanny. Yes. Maybe that's where I saw it as well. <laughs> Good old super nanny. Good old super nanny. And, you can learn and, a lot from her. Yeah, and she says, you know, you you acknowledge, you, you say, like, I acknowledge that you are feeling angry. Yeah. You are feeling sad. You are feeling thirsty right now. And that calms the child down even though you haven't actually done anything to satisfy their need. It but does. But their real, their real need is to be heard. Oh, there you go. We all have a need to be heard, mm. okay, to belong and to be to be needed. All right, let's move on to Okay, moving the on to the T. Okay, two, T is actually two-pronged. It stands for toward and it also stands for teach. Okay, so we'll begin with the teach bit. Having what we said earlier, remembering that anxiety is actually your teacher, now it's time to really start listening and understanding why. Why has this anxiety come into your life at this time in your life? Okay, now I can speak for myself Back in the day, in my 20s, I hadn't accepted my sexuality. Um, I hadn't, um, you know, going to uni was a struggle. I probably wasn't concentrating as well as I should have in my uni days. I wasn't feeling particularly well-skilled. Anxiety was there to let me know that, A, I had to learn to accept myself. I had to overcome this obstacle and be brave and get some courage. So if all I had done was pop a pill to make my anxiety go away, I might potentially not have taken those next big brave steps in my life, okay? So you've got to take a step back and go, what is this anxiety trying to tell me? If you've got an an anxiety around work stuff, think about it. Be honest with yourself. 
Is it something that you've just, you've let your courses go or seminars? Have you not kind of done professional development for a couple of years and now you're stressed that you're going to be found out at work? Maybe the anxiety is just there to say you're not on the right course. So it's teaching you something. Mm. And a lot of times people don't realize anxiety was never the enemy. It was always the teacher or the messenger. That's such a fascinating way to look at it. Mm. It's a very positive way yeah. to look at it instead of treating um, going back to you know not treating it as the enemy yeah. and what's the other t okay so the t is the toward yeah what this is all about is actually having the courage to step forward and start heading towards this anxiety the thing you fear the most i went to antarctica a few years ago and when you first step on the ice um there's all these beautiful little pups they come up to you these little fur seals right and they're mm. cute they're really cute there's nothing to be anxious of it's the mums and the dads <laughs> they're like these dogs coming towards you right and you know that if you just stood there they would bite you at the ankles and you know antarctica is not a good place to get rabies or whatever they're carrying i don't know i don't no, think they not. do carry rabies but that's what my brain was telling me at the time the guide said to us, run towards them, actually clap your hands and make a noise and watch what happens. And we did it and they backed off straight away. It's actually really funny. Wow. Started having some fun with it. Yeah. And that's like anxiety. The very thing you fear the most is often not all that scary when you really charge forward, like mock charging. You know, I don't know what the answer is like for if you're in Africa with a lion, but I know certain animals, you've got to kind of do a mock charge, call their bluff, and they'll back away. Okay. Mm. Susan Jeffers wrote that wonderful book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And one of her myth-busting facts was the sense of hopelessness that you feel when you avoid something you're feeling is way worse than dealing with the very fear itself. Because you'll notice when you overcome it, You'll be filled with joy and elation once you overcome a bit of the shock factor. And then you've just got to go and do it again and again and again and again. Does that make sense? Mm. Oh, I've had so many situations in my life where I've been so fearful yeah. and then I finally get up and do the thing. And as soon as I'm there, it's totally fine. It just melts away. And Absolutely. I think, why was I even worried? I know. This why? is totally fine. Yep. And it, it could have been something I'd built up in my head mm -hmm. over months and months oh. and months. Yep. The S, what is the Ooh, S stand for the again? S, the S is sexy. No, it's not really. It's not <laughs> and really. we sexy dance it's our way sexy, out of the pit. It's not, <laughs> exactly. I take yes. it out. Oh, my goodness. New part of the methodology. Wow. Thank you. Can I, I love it. that? Yes, let's do it. The C Absolutely. method. Absolutely, yes. Slash, slash pits. <laughs> method. The C pits method. Okay, so S. S stands for stepping up. Okay. You don't overcome your anxiety in one big foul swoop and go, ooh, it's Tuesday. I went and saw someone. I'm done with anxiety. Thank you very much. And off you go. Okay. Anxiety is a work in progress. There are very quick, easy ways of overcoming your anxiety, like in a fast way, but you, you can't just put it aside and go, I'm done and go live your life now. You have to take action every single day. Okay. So if you have a fear of public speaking, let's just say, and that's a big fear for people. That, that was actually my hugest fear back in the day, public speaking. What happens if I screwed it up? So once I've, you know, pit systemed myself, okay, the next system, the next step is the stepping up. 
engage in public speaking um, engagements, right? Do it weekly, do it monthly, but don't leave it for like once a four, once a year, okay? Because then you just land back, you know, halfway in the pit again. It's like a muscle. You've mm. got to be stretching and growing your grit and your resilience, okay? So that S is so important. You've got to take consistent action every single day. And you've also got to reward yourself. You know, when I do something now that goes, flies in the face of my anxiety in the past, I'll say to myself, you go, Sean, go, you go, boy. Well yeah. done. I'll even give myself a pat on the shoulder. I'll, I'll even buy myself something, you know, or, or share, you know, just, just put it out there because it's something to be celebrated. Okay. So that's part of the stepping up every single day. Do something that's in line with your values, something that's showing you and proving to you that, yeah, you got this, you got this. Mm. Well, what a beautiful note to end the podcast on. Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure having Thanks, you on Christina. the show. And I am absolutely in huge admiration for the work you do and you're wonderful oh, at you. it. So keep doing the wonderful work you do too. Oh, I love it. We're giving each other a hug right now. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful to have Sean Resnick from Vital Me joining me on the podcast this week. Now, you have no excuse for getting anxious over the holiday season. If you're getting anxious around eating too much, just move towards the turkey. Towards the turkey? Do you think that would help? Hmm, maybe not. This is why I'm not in the health industry. <laughs> you can find out more about what Sean does at vitalme.com.au or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Sean. That's Sean spelled S-H-A-U-N. And before we wrap up, remember, it would be so amazing if you could leave me a review in iTunes or Stitcher. Head on over to thecmethod.com slash iTunes for a tutorial on how to leave a review. Otherwise, just follow the buttons on your app to ratings and reviews for this show. You are amazing. And that is all from me this week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I will talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs>